Hi, this is Russ Taft. Hi, this is John Oliphanty. Hi, this is John Schlipper Petra. Hi, this is Kim Boyce. Hey, everybody, Stephen Curtis Chapman here, and you are listening to Jesus Freaks Final to Digital. Hi, I'm Jason Huddle, host of Jesus Freaks Final to Digital. Before we get into this week's program, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for downloading this episode and giving us a listen. If you really like what you hear, we'd love to have your support. How can you do that, you say? Well, I'm glad you asked. Simply visit patreon.com slash Jesus Freaks Podcast and become a monthly sponsor. Now you can do that for as little as two measly dollars per month, or you can go higher and get special perks like advanced access to episodes when available, the opportunity to submit questions I will ask our artists on future episodes, and even your very own Jesus Freaks t-shirt. Again, that's patreon.com slash Jesus Freaks Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And hey, if you'd like your business or organization to become a sponsor of this program, let us know by visiting our website, JesusFreaksPodcast.com, and click on the Become a Sponsor link at the bottom of the page. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's get on with the show. Hi, this is Phil Joel, and you're listening to Jesus Freaks Vinyl to Digital. It was almost like he was ahead of the game, so to speak. He looked at me and he said, he said, Randy... I'm telling you, God's up to something with this music. I just I just know it. It's like a movement. It's like, well, it's you and it's me, which makes us and we, you see, it's it's a movement. And we both started laughing because, I mean, back then it was all so new. We were lonely. It's time for our two-episode season finale of Jesus Freaks Final to Digital with very special guest and one of the fathers of Christian music, Randy Stonehill. In this episode, we have a long conversation with Randy, and he tells of the incredible story of how he was led to Christ by Larry Norman himself. And at the same time, man, my teeth started chattering. My knees were getting weak. I turned back around toward the dishes, and now I was holding on to the edge of the sink. He said, well, Randy, you know, you need to take the bull by the horns, man. If this is a fantasy, you're going to know in five minutes. And if it's not a fantasy, if Jesus is your savior and he's calling to your heart there's nothing more precious or important for you to know do you want to pray with me now (laughs) i turned back around and i said okay i'll pray with you plus we'll get into his deep and sometimes complicated relationship with the late great keith green ken gullickson said listen if anybody senses that the lord is calling to their hearts and you want relationship with him simply just raise your hand Keith's hand shot up like a bottle rocket. I mean, this guy was so ready and God was speaking so loudly to him. It's the stories you haven't heard from the master storyteller himself, Randy Stonehill. That's all coming up right now on Jesus Freaks Final to Digital, a presentation of Cavco Media Group, a preferred podcast of Way FM, and now part of the new release today.com podcast network. I'm your host, Jason Huddle. now the one the only randall evan stonehill he is finally on our program the very first artist that i thought of when we first concepted this podcast he was the first person i thought of and now after 
a year of attempting to get him through his busy, unbelievable schedule. He has finally been able to grace us with his presence. Randy Stonehill, thank you so much for being on this program. Well, thank you. You know, it's I can be awfully busy uh, uh, loitering out in front of a Safeway grocery store. So I'm glad that you were able to <laughs> to wrangle me into uh, this uh, this festive time of fellowship with you, my brother. Oh, thank you. This is this interview is going to be so much fun. I can't wait. All right, so uh, let's get right into it, Randy. First of all, for those of our listeners that aren't as familiar with you and your ministry. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about growing up in California, how you came to know the Lord and just tell us a little bit about your relationship with him? Sure. I was a restless lad in um, the sleepy suburbs of uh, San Jose, uh, Northern California, and had uh, fallen in love with uh, with folk music. Uh, my mom and dad would play a cross section of of records in the house. And so, I mean, just, you know, even the, the mid mid and late fifties, I was just uh, really enchanted with the sound of acoustic guitar, started uh, pleading with my father to, to buy me a guitar. I think I probably started nagging him when I was about six years old and he finally caved in. Um, he realized that this wasn't a passing whim. He caved in, I think uh, when I was about 10 and he, you know, he was he was a child of the depression, so he's very practical. And he said, "Okay, tell you what, Randy, I'm going to rent you a little guitar, and if you demonstrate to me that you're that you are really disciplined and you and you're serious about this, then we'll see how you do for a couple of months, and then I'll get you, perhaps I'll get you a regular guitar." And I, for me, it was all just wonderful and magical. I said, oh, "Okay, Dad, okay." So he got me. This this cheap little three quarter size steel string guitar, but it was indeed it was um, it was cheap, and uh, and I get you know practical in his in his mind. But the but the strings were like, you know, almost like a quarter inch off of the neck. So to try to uh, form like a you know a C chord or something felt like some Native American rite of passage. I mean, it was so painful, you know, I'm just mashing these strings down and, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wincing like a, like a seasoned blues artist or something <laughs> anyway. But, um, but I, I hung in there for, you know, learning basic chords and things. One day I came home from school or something and there was this coffin shaped cardboard box on the living room floor. And I said, <laughs> Has someone perished? What's, what's, <laughs> you need you need to tell me something. They said, "No, no, this is for you." And they and they opened it up, and it was a, a goya, a Spanish uh, nylon string guitar. Hmm. And that compared with this horrific thing I'd been wrestling with, I mean, it just felt like 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 butter. It's like <laughs> playing butter, you know. And so I just I, I just loved that. I started writing really bad love songs uh, after um, Dee Dee Clark, the prettiest girl in junior high school, Uh um, broke my heart. I I thank her for that. Now, Dee Dee, wherever you are, (laughs) (laughs) I think you owe me money or something. I'm going to work this out. (laughs) Anyway, um, God bless you. And Jesus loves you. Um, But um, yeah, so I started writing really bad love songs. I wrote about a dozen and they all kind of sounded 
the same. They were just, you know, uh, they were about about Dee Dee. So the first one went, ding, ding, please don't say no. Ding, ding, I beg you don't uh, uh, go away. Yeah, please don't say no this time to me. And it was it was really bad. It sounds a little and desperate. I'm not going to lie. Oh, no, I'm telling you. Yeah, I took her out. As a matter of fact, I said, now, Didi, I have something very special to share with you. Would you meet me at lunch at, on the bleachers at the bleachers? And she said, of world where she went, okay. <laughs> and um, so she came out and she, she sat down on the bleachers and I, I thought, okay, this is going to, this is going to win her heart, you know? So I pulled the guitar out and I went, ding, please don't say no. <laughs> and I, I played the song and she looked at me with this kind of mild indifference and you know and she and she just said that's really sweet randy and um you know but i i just really just like you as a friend oh you got friends and and, and i i know you just yeah the, though the horrible friend zone don't say <laughs> that word anyway so she said anyway i have to go now i went oh but i but i but i, I love you she said oh, you're very sweet anyway i gotta go i went okay all right, I'm going to go back to the drawing board now, and I'm, I'm going to write a better one, and that'll and that'll get her. And I, I dragged that poor girl out. I don't know, I, I, at least a, a couple times, I think, and I kept inflicting these songs upon her. And of course, every time she just go, "That's you're really sweet." And um, but anyway, I, you know, I, I really uh, like you as a friend, and and I, I gotta go now. I just went <laughs> okay. All right. So after I, after I wrote um, about a dozen of those, I was working on the thirteenth one, man, because I wasn't going to give up. <laughs> and I was and I was standing in my bedroom, and my older brother Jeff walked was walking down the hall, and the door of the to my room happened to be partway open, and he stuck his head in, and he said, "Hey, Rand, is is that that?" new song I've heard on the radio by the love and spoonful. And I looked at him and I said, no, no, Jeff, I, I, I wrote this. And he looked at me, you know, this, this, this uh, look of um, expression of, of uh, surprise and respect, which is hard to come by from, from an know, older brother. Older yeah. brother yeah, who wants to get you in a headlock and stick you in the dryer. That's what the, they're the, there for. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So he said, he said, wow. You wrote that, man. That's really cool. Good song, and good for you. And and he walked away. And I, I, it was like to me, it was a revelation knowledge moment. I thought, man, maybe this is something I could really do.
You know, from that from that point on, I I kept writing. I got invited to um, to join one of the the cooler rock bands from Lee High School, where I went to high school, and uh, so I was the lead singer and rhythm guitarist until I got fired. <laughs> I got I got fired because we were playing at the school dance, uh, but during the break, I would take my girlfriend's I take my girlfriend by the hand, pull her behind the curtain so I could kiss her. And the principal found out and he said, you can't, you know, it's against school rules. I've warned you guys. Okay. I'm finding the band $60. Oh my God. So, yeah. So when, and when the band is getting paid like a hundred, it, it gets ugly. So anyway, the, the band fired me. I had to move on to, to greener pastures. So tell us how this budding career in music led to your salvation and your relationship with Christ? You know, hats off to the late, great Larry Norman. Mm. Uh, he was um, the lead singer of a very popular band, um, probably the hottest band in San Jose. They had one breakout uh, national hit. It was a cover of a, of a song by the English band, The Zombies, called I Love You. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the in the balcony section of the San Jose Civic Auditorium, sitting in the, G, in the cheap seats, man, because I was in high school. <laughs> and uh, I'd go with my girlfriend, and uh, we'd be watching a cross-section of bands, um, or sometimes the international touring bands like uh, Cream or Mamas and Papas or The Birds would be playing. You know, they probably played in San Francisco the night before. Now they're in a secondary market. So they're going to play in San Jose and then they're going to move on elsewhere. But we're going, this is so cool. <laughs> we get to see, you know, our heroes. And quite often the opening bands would be people. And I watched, it's be sitting in the balcony watching this band and watching the front man who was so darn good and compelling and throwing the microphone up like some glorious mighty sword and catching it with one hand and dancing around and you know it was just like so good i thought it galvanized my vision you know i thought man i i just this is something i want to do this is just it's so filled with joy and life and i just if i don't do this i'm never going to be happy i just i just knew in my heart of hearts so then on a on a much more intimate scale the high schools back in the early sixties would have a Friday night concert about once a month called hoot nannies. <laughs> it was kind of, it's basically kind of people with their guitars and sort of folk music. Folk music was still 
it was being eclipsed by rock and roll, but it was still pretty popular. And that, so you'd go to, you do the audition. And then if you make the cut, you do the show that night. Sure. And I, I, I was good enough that I would, you know, whenever I embraced the opportunity, I, I made the cut. So I got to do a few of these concert things. And so one night, I think this is actually at the auditions, these two girls got up on stage and they started singing this haunting song called City of Man. Could this be a city's tombstone? Broken neon signs that say, happy days are here forever. I feel like I'm in a play. So let me dream about today. And I just was, I'm watching them. I'm thinking, this is a very cool song. And that one sister in particular is awfully darn cute. <laughs> so anyway, they came off stage. I went up and I, I did my audition song. But I came down afterwards and I, I walked up to the girls and I talked to this pretty blonde named Nancy Joe. And I said, I said, listen, it's a pleasure to meet you. I've got to ask you, who wrote that song? And she said, you know, my, my brother. And I said, who's, who's your brother? She said, Larry Norman. Mm. I said, no, wait a minute. Why do I know that name? She said, he's the lead singer for, for the band People. I said, you're kidding. That's your brother? He's, I've, I've seen that band a dozen times. They're just, they're just wonderful. And then she said, you know, I, I, really, I really like what I heard you sing. I, I, I bet my brother would like to meet you. And I said, well, I would certainly like to meet your brother. Hmm. She said, well, you know what? He's in Los Angeles because the band's recording for Capitol Records. Oh, and of course, my heart starts pounding. Right. Going, that, that was the mecca. I mean, they, the Capitol Records distributed the Beatles. Yeah. Give me, give me a break. I go, oh, man. She said, anyway, but he's coming home. He, you know, he, he's coming home for Thanksgiving uh, vacation. You Maybe, you know, you want to get together? And I said, uh-huh, that would be really <laughs> good. So anyway, she called me and she said, listen, Larry's in town and he's, He's playing at a little coffee house. He's doing a solo set tonight. You want to go? And I said, uh-huh. Hmm. And she said, well, it's okay. It's a place called Jonah's Whale. It's actually in the basement of a church. But, uh, but what, you know, I didn't even drive back then. I think, I don't know, I think my, my dad <laughs> took me to her house or something. <laughs> not the coolest way to sort of no, start a date. Not, but she I'm thought I, yeah, I know, I know. But she thought I was cool. And I, and I thought she was she was sweet. And so anyway, so we, we went to the, the coffee shop and he got up on this funky little stage and there was a piano and he had his, he had this funky little nylon string guitar, which actually he ended up playing until he departed the planet, you know, this, oh, wow. his, his nylon string guitar. But anyway, but he, so he got up and he just, he was so masterful. He just owned the room. It was almost like if Jim Morrison of the Doors was a Christian, it would be that guy, you know? And the lyrics were were edgy and intelligent, but there was this Jesus in the middle of it. And I didn't understand that, but it was almost just so cool. I just found it compelling, you know? So at the end of the set... Um, he went back to this little dressing room and she said, listen, would you like to meet him? 
I said, yeah, sure. So she went, we went back to the dressing room. She knocked on the door. He opened the door up a little bit. And she said, hey, Larry, uh, it's, um, it's me. And listen, this is, this is the boy I told you about. This is Randy Stonehill. And he, you know, he had us come on in. And he said, you know, my sister tells me that you're really talented. Like maybe at summer vacation, because I was a junior in high school. He said, uh, why, would you like to come to Los Angeles? I, you know, I could, I could show you the ropes a little bit about the music business. You know, and I just think my eyes just got wide, you know, it's like, right. I'm hearing this voice, you know, in my, in my heart going, my destiny, <laughs> oh, this is my destiny. You know, I just went, that's really, man, that would be wonderful. That would be so great. So then I begged my dad to let me go. I think it was, that was a summer of, I graduated in 70. So I guess that was 69. And so I, anyway, I, I went to see him. But he also, uh, he had some young believers living in his apartment with him. And, and they were so pumped about just what Jesus had done in their lives that they just, they just couldn't shut up, you know. And here I am, I'm a 16, 17, and I'm like brushing my teeth. And some guy, one guy pokes his head in the bathroom and he goes, will you accept darkness instead of light? I'm going, I'm brushing my teeth and I don't <laughs> know what you're talking about, you know. And so it just was like. It just was too intense for me. Uh, and I missed my girlfriend in, in San Jose. And I just went, so after a few days, I said, I said, listen, Larry, I, I'm going to go back to San Jose. I'm just, I'm really not, I'm really not comfortable. And, you know, I'll never forget this because he was trusting God's timing. He'd been writing me letters and just staying in touch before I was able to, to actually show up. I mean, he told me that he was a believer and he also told me that he'd left the band. And that was a really powerful witness to me because I went, wait a minute, this man is living my dream and he left the band, mm. you know? And he said, he told me in some conversation, he said, yeah, Randy, it's just, it, you know, it was fun and stuff, but they're getting high and they're chasing girls. And this is not, this is not what life is about. And I'm thinking as a 16 year old kid, I'm going, no, I thought that's what, for me, that's what life was about. I'd love to, you know, play the music and press the girls. And I thought that, and you see the world and that's what life's about. And so it was really powerful to me that he left the band. He said, now, nah, man, there's just, there's just more to the big picture than this. And God is real. He's been real to me. I want to write songs that people dig, but I want to write songs about truth, about hope, about life. And I'm going, yeah, well, okay, I don't really get that, but, you know, whatever. So anyway, I knew he was a believer, but he wasn't heavy-handed with me. And so when I was there the summer after my junior year, I remember, like I said, I went, listen, I, I, I got a bailout, man. And he, I think it was almost prophetic or something, this look in his eyes, he knew that God was speaking to him about my life, but he also needed to not twist my arm. And he, he had this sweet kind of sad look in his eyes. And he looked and he said, well, just know that God's door is always open. And I went, oh, uh, okay, um, <laughs> whatever that means. Okay, thank you. And But, uh, but I remember he just, there was... Uh, something very real going on. So anyway, I, I came home, finished my, you know, senior year 
in in high school thinking i just i've got to i got to get out of here and i got to go play rock and roll or i'm just never going to be happy and he would he kept writing to me even through my my senior year telling me what was going on with you know not proselytizing but telling me what was going on with his work and stuff and uh, that he then he told me he got a solo deal with capitol records i just oh, wow. went how stinking cool is that right you leave the band and Capital wants you enough that they gave you a solo deal. So I'm just going, man, this guy likes me. He knows the music business. He and he kept on saying, if you want to rethink kind of your, you know, your your logistics here, you want to come back. I really would love to help you. So it was in June 1970. So high school was done. And I'm kind of just looking at my life. And I turned to uh, the lead guitarist uh, from my, I started my own, my own band in San Jose. And I looked at the lead guitarist and I said, listen, man, you want to drive down to LA and kind of learn more about the music business? Cause this, you know, you know who Larry Norman is. He said, Oh yeah. He said, well, he, you know, he's inviting us to come and spend some time, man. And here's the deal. He's this Christian, whatever that is. I'm not quite sure, but anyway, but he's, but he's, but he, you know, he's funny, he's bright, uh, he's good company, and and he he can teach us about music business. So what do you think? Should we go on down and just you know see see what happens? And and so my friend, who also happened to be named Larry Larry Hansen, agreed to to the uh, the plan. So all the way down, we're talking like three hundred miles driving from San Jose. We're, we're, we're working on our plan. I'm going, now look, when Larry starts talking about Jesus, and believe me, he will. Hmm. We don't want, you know, he's five years older than us. He's, we respect him. We don't want to insult him. We'll, we'll nod and smile politely. And then we'll just change the subject over to, well, tell us, a, tell us about how the music publishing situation works, <laughs> you know, with the record and then we'll just so that way we'll just we'll just kind of steer this we'll steer this ship. So my friend's going, yeah, 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 we can do that. So we think we got to Larry's house in Hollywood at about maybe four in the afternoon or something. And he came out onto the front porch, and uh, he said, "Listen, I'm glad glad you guys made it safely. You're hungry? Would you, you know, you you want a bite to eat?" And I said, "Well, I mean, yeah, frankly, I could I could use a sandwich or something." And my friend, this is so interesting how God orchestrates these things. My friend said, you know what? I'm going to hang back. I'm just going to have a smoke and, and, and I'll come in in a couple of minutes. So I went on in and, and it was just, uh, the main door was open. So you could, you could hear everything through the screen door. Right. And I went into Larry's kitchen. I noticed he had some dishes in the sink and I thought, you know, to be a polite guest, I'll, offer to do the dishes. So I had my back to him. And he told me later on, he said, man, Randy, I knew you were coming. I've been praying for you. I told the Lord, okay, he's, he's coming in two weeks. You know, he's a sweet kid, but he's this kind of wild monkey hippie boy. He's getting high and I can't have him getting high in my backyard or bringing girls home off the boulevard that he's convinced that he's in love with again this week. <laughs> you know, you got I can't, I can't, you know, I want, I want to work with him and, and help him, but I, I can't. 
do that. You know, I can't cross that line. So you, you got to get him saved, Lord. And he, he felt the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, I'm tracking with you. So Larry says, okay, Lord, he's coming in three days. And I'm praying for him, but you you got to order our steps. I, I I know, I mean, I I know I'm supposed to share the gospel with him, but I, I just, I don't know how this is going to work. You just, you got to make a way. And the Lord was saying, kind of speaking to his heart saying, yeah, I know. So then he said, he told me later, he said, okay, he's praying. He's going, okay, Lord, they're coming this afternoon. You got to come crashing in. I, I don't, I just don't know really what to do. So, like I said, I walked into the kitchen. I had my back turned to him. He's making a sandwich. I was working on his dishes. And he told me, he said, I looked, I'm standing behind you. I looked up at heaven and I said, Lord, what do I, what do I do? What do I say? And I could also tell when I walked into the house, he seemed strangely off balance, kind of nervous, kind of a bit skittish, like Bambi on ice or something, you know, <laughs> and, Whoa! and I thought, what's, what's up with that? I mean, you know, he's, I respect him. He's, he's five years older than me. You know, he's, he's a bit of a rock star. I mean, why is he, I wonder what's making him nervous. Kind of just crossed my mind, you know? So little did I know that he was really trusting that, that the Lord was going to do what only the Lord can do. So anyway, he's standing behind me and he said, Lord, what do I, what do I do? And the Lord just spoke to his heart and said, just open your mouth. It's like, it's like that parallel to that scripture. You know, don't, don't second guess what you're to say when they call you up before the tribunal. You just, you just go in faith and I'll give you the words to speak. Right. Anyway. So the Lord just said, just open your mouth, man. So Larry said, he said, so Randy, I just, I did the, the only thing I knew how to do, which is to obey. So he, I heard him clear his throat behind me and he said, so um, Randy, how you doing? <laughs> and God honored that just Larry's obedience. And that simple question pierced me through the core. Like somebody had taken a, a surgical scalpel and just stuck it into my sternum. I caught my breath. I turned around from the sink and I said, I, I don't know, man. I mean, how's anybody doing really? We're all just free falling through space, aren't we? We're all just faking it. So Larry's thinking, oh Lord, you're good. What a <laughs> setup. This is like so good. And he looked at me, he said, no, Randy, we're not all just faking it. There's a reason to be. And there's a way home. There's a God who loves you and who knows your name. And listen, man, I, I know you came to Los Angeles. You came to Hollywood to learn about the music business. And I, and I want to help you with that. But I believe that, that God brought you here for something far more important, a much, a much more precious gift. And that's the gift of himself. Do you want to pray with me? And I laughed in his face. Jay. Wow. I just looked at him and I went, I went, no, man, I don't want to pray with you. I don't even know what that means. And so I turned back around and started messing around with the dishes. But at the same time, I could feel something weird in the room, a presence in the room. And, and then again, 
Larry told me, he said, so you said no. I, I looked up at heaven and I went, God, he said no. What do I do now? <laughs> and the Lord just said, ask him again. And Larry just went, oh, man, this is not going well. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this kid, he's going to go flying out that screen door. I'm going to see the taillights of that car, and I'm never going to see him again. And the Lord just said, ask him again. It's his birthday. And Larry said, well, no, Lord, Lord his birthday's in, in March. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit's going, no, I'm not talking about his biological birthday. <laughs> it's his spiritual birthday. Today, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Trust me, just ask him again. So Larry went, Oh, okay. Okay. So he said, Randy, listen, man, you know, Jesus has everything for you. Anything he removes from your life, he does so, so that he can replace it with something far more precious. The gift of himself, we were made by him and for him until you, until you embrace that foundational truth your life is always going to feel like truck tires on a gravel road. It's spinning and it's motion, but you're not going anywhere. Do you want to pray with me now? And I said, just leave me alone. I'm not praying with you. And at the same time, man, my teeth started chattering. My, my knees were getting weak. I turned back around toward the dishes and now I was holding on to the edge of the sink. I kid you not. And I was just saying, what is going on here? What is this? It's not even, what is this? Who is this? Who, there's someone in the room with us. <laughs> you know, who, who is this? And, and Larry sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit as well. And so he became emboldened at that point. He said, well, Randy, you know, you're away from home for the first time in your life. You really need to face this, this issue, the big questions you know, like a man, you need to take the bull by the horns, man. If this is a fantasy, you're going to know in five minutes that it's just the dream of desperate men. It's just some mythology. And if it's not a fantasy, because I'm telling you it's not, if Jesus is your savior and he's calling to your heart, there's nothing more precious or important for you to know. And if you're going to be a real man, you got to find out. You got to face this issue like a man. Do you want to pray with me now? <laughs> I turned back around. And I just said, like I said, the presence of the Holy Spirit was so thick in the room, you could slice it with a butter knife. Mm. I could barely catch my breath. My heart was pounding like a bunny rabbit. And I said, okay, okay, I, I, I'll pray with you. And he looked kind of delighted and surprised. He said, oh, okay, man. <laughs> oh, it worked. <laughs> Come here. Yeah. Yeah. He said, come sit down with me by the kitchen table. And I said, oh, okay. Okay. So I sat down and he sat across from me. He said, now listen, uh, I'm going to lead you in a sinner's prayer. If you agree in your heart, then you just say yes. And just, just, just take, take my hands. Okay. We're just going to, we're just going to pray together. Okay. Is that cool? I said, yeah. oh, okay. Okay. So I'm holding his hands, you know, and, and our heads are down and he led me in a sinner's prayer. And then to my shock, he looked at me and he said, now, Randy, this is not just religion. This is the beginning of a father-child relationship. You need to talk to God in your own words. You need to introduce yourself personally. And I said, I, I, I do. I do. I, oh, I do. 
I guess I do. Well, I, okay, okay. So I took his hands again and bowed my head and I said, you know, dear Lord, I, I don't really believe in you, but I, I believe in you enough that I'm talking to you. That's the most honest thing I can do or say. And I, I don't use words like sin, but today I know what it means because I realize that I, I, without you, I've been playing God myself all these years. And I'm pretty fond of myself, Lord, but I know, I know I'm not God. And I've made a lot of mistakes. I've hurt a lot of people. I've hurt myself. And I, and I realize today that I've hurt you. And I tell you, it was so amazing, Jay, because in the light and power of this holy presence in the room, I really did understand that I was lost and that I was a sinner. And I said, Lord, I'm getting a glimpse of who you are, and I realize who I am. I am a sinner, and I don't know why you would care. I don't know why you would bother. But I guess that's because you're God, and you love us with a holy love. And so if you want me, I'm just going I'm just going to go with you. I don't care where the road leads as long as I can go with you. Interesting, huh? After 51 years, that story always hits home with me, you know. Mm. So I just said for the first time in my life, I said, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I got stoned in Norman's kitchen. We was talking about the facts of life He asked me, was I happy? As I reached for the butter knife I said no And I made a sandwich And I poured myself a cup of tea when that cat started praying, the spirit fell on me. I got up to use the bathroom. I said, excuse me, please. But I couldn't help from laughing. And I felt shaky in the knees. As I lean against the mirror, my heart let out a sigh, like something heavy left me, and I opened up We both stood up from the table, and I looked at Larry, and he had tears streaming down his face. And he said, man, I've been waiting two years for you to pray that prayer. Mm. And he hugged me, and I said, okay, now listen, <laughs> don't go getting all emotional on me, <laughs> which is just ludicrous. It's like the room was, the room was shaking. It felt like the room was shaking. The walls were shaking like something out of a 
Disney cartoon, you know, <laughs> and I, and I was weak in the knees. And then I, I started walking around in his living room and I was, I was kind of hugging myself and I was walking around trying to process what was happening. And I said, I, I just feel so good. I, I just feel so good. I, I just feel so good. And then I remember I leaned up against um, the wall and this is, these houses were probably built in the fifties, had one of those old uh, area heaters, you know, with a metal grate on oh, the yeah, floor yeah. and it sort mm-hmm. of comes up the wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember leaning up against the, the, the metal of this, this funky old heater. And I remember I exhaled and when I did, it felt like a weight left me. I had the, yeah, the physical sensation of a weight lifting mm-hmm. from me, which is so interesting. Cause if you look at scripture about the Lord taking your burdens, right, this right. was like the physical manifestation of that. And I felt several pounds lighter. And I also felt like a man who was standing upright for the first time in my life. I felt like all these years I had been walking bent over looking at the ground, never knowing, never imagining that there was any other posture. And now for the first time I was standing completely up, completely straight and I could see eternity. You know, I could see, I could see, I guess, the reality of life and and God's love. And Larry's just watching me with this delighted smile on his face. You know, I said, man, Jesus is real. He said, yes, sir. Yeah, he, he is. Then in his wisdom, he said, now, Randy, I want you to keep a cool head and be very objective about what just transpired. This is not just some emotional gushing. You're away from home for the first time. I didn't twist your arm and make you pray a prayer. This is not an acid flashback because <laughs> I had I had plenty of those. I knew what that was like. Um, you know, mom, the Salisbury steak is floating off the plate. <laughs> can can I just go down the hall and do my homework because everyone's fluorescent orange right now? And this is so it wasn't that it wasn't an acid flashback. So, but he, he said, "Look, you know what, man? If you want, you can hold all of this at arm's length. Just start reading God's word because that's what it is. It's His breath on the written page. Start praying every day. No formal speech. Just talk to Him like He's, he's your Father because He is." And in about two months, look back over your shoulder at what happened this afternoon, and you will bust out laughing because you will know then without a doubt that what has just happened in your life and in your heart was indeed the loving hand of God. I just thought to myself, boy, this guy sure is cool and confident, but I guess that's because he knows that, uh, that Jesus is exactly who Jesus claims to be. So then, Jay, <laughs> I, went st- I went stumbling back out onto the front porch, and there's my friend, Larry Hansen, leaning up against the car with his cigarette, and the ashes <laughs> burned like, all the way down <laughs> to the filter. He just has this look of shock on his face, you know? And I said, Larry, dude, you're never going to believe what just happened to me. He said, no, no, that's okay. No, I heard it all through the screen door. And, um, you know, he's thinking, okay, one Randy Stonehill walked into the house, 
And then the spiritual pod people, you know, <laughs> descended and, 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 and ate his brain. And then a different Randy that I don't know came out 40 minutes later, you know? And I said, I said, buddy, I, oh, what can I say? I, Jesus is real. He just, he just showed up. He just showed up. I wasn't, you know, I, one of the acid tests, Jay, is I certainly was not looking for Jesus, but I promise you, just like it says in, was it Luke uh, 1910, the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. Mm. And buddy, that was me. Just a lamb to the slaughter. I mean, completely clueless, you know, and I, he just showed up because he, he loves us, you know? So anyways, so I said, so, so dude, I mean, it's just like so amazing. And Larry Hansen said, um, listen, man, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm just going to drive back home. I, I, I'm really not comfortable. I said, buddy, we just drove all day to get here. And I, I mean, don't you want to learn about the music business? He just went, no, no, <laughs> no, I think I'm out of here. And man, he just burned out of there. And I did not see him for another, I think almost 10 years. And he oh, ended wow. up coming to a, a concert. He ended up coming to one of the concerts I was then doing at the San Jose Civic Auditorium. Mm. And as, as I recall, I opened up for Love Song, one of the seminal bands of the genre. So I, I did my set. My folks had come, my mom and dad had come to see the show, and they were sitting about halfway down. It's like a 3,500-seater. You know, it's, it was the big room in San Jose. And I got to play the big room finally, you know. Mm. So I came down and I snuck down in the darkness, you know, after my set to say hi to my folks. And there, to my surprise, was Larry Hansen. I said, buddy, what, what are you doing here? It's great to see you. He said, man, I saw your picture in the paper, and I, I just had to come see the show. And I think this, that whole time, that whole trip to Hollywood had been a link in the chain for him and part of his story. I think he had become a believer a few years later. Mm-hmm. He was probably so haunted just by, by hearing long distance what was happening to me. You know, that he started asking questions about his own life. That's incredible. That, That's what an incredible it. story, man. Thank you. Thank you. Well, well, God is God is the author of uh, of truly life-changing, incredible stories. Hey, why don't you stand up and stretch your legs for a second? Because we're at about the halfway point of our interview with Randy Stonehill, at least for this first part of our two-episode season finale. And while you're stretching, let me tell you about New Hope Worship Center. They know that things like truth, friendship, and hope are very important. So they invite you to join New Hope Worship Center online and help find the answers to life's biggest questions. They have live streaming services every Sunday at 1045 a.m. on the New Hope Worship Center YouTube channel, where you'll receive the word, have the opportunity to worship and pray. And of course, you can watch services at your convenience at newhopewc.org. If you need to talk to someone, please call them. They would love to help you. Just call 704-786-0155. If you need to talk to somebody, call 704-786-0155. Now that you've had a chance to stretch, we'll continue on with our interview with the Randy Stonehill. So I had this whole interview kind of mapped out in my head, but as anyone would know who's had a conversation with Randy Stonehill, 
uh, what you have planned or mapped out in your head doesn't always work out because he (laughs) he tends to take you in completely different direction. But it does lead me to this question. Obviously, this began a, a lifelong friendship with Larry Norman. And through that, of course, you were great friends with Keith Green. And the three of you really are kind of regarded in most circles as sort of these fathers of contemporary Christian music. What was it like to sit in a room with those guys and write some music that is still anointed and still being used today to save souls? Well, it was certainly a privilege. I don't think any of us really had a clear overview of, you know, all that God was up to or or what the impact of that work would be. Larry was, uh, was a delight. Uh, He was a great craftsman, just intense and funny. As I look back now, I, I wish I had more. I wish I had had more opportunities to write with him. I think he and I only wrote a few things together, but then he would, because he was my producer and he and my my managerial voice, and really my mentor in a lot of ways. I would always take my new songs to him, and just you know as a sounding board. And I remember, as a matter of fact, it was probably nineteen seventy. I think it was. I think the the Lord was deepening my spiritual roots and that was stirring creative things, you know, creative juice in my work. So as I look now, I realize I was writing a lot of the material that would end up on Welcome to Paradise, um, which was by God's hand, a very pivotal record in terms of the, the foundation of contemporary Christian music. Yeah. I remember going to, to show him, one or two of those songs in particular. And he looked at me with this kind of knowing expression. And he said, Randy, write a lot of songs now in this season. And I, I sort of, I smiled and I said, well, I, yeah, okay. I mean, that's, you know, I really don't have much else to do. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> what I love to do. And I think at that point I was actually uh, sleeping on the, my manager's couch in, uh, in, in Northridge, something I was, you know, I was broke and just kind of putting one foot in front of the other. And I realize now that Larry was sensing that this was an important spiritual and artistic season of growth in my life. And he was starting to hear that in the songs. So his simplistic directive was actually pretty telling. He was saying, just, man, you just, just keep writing a lot of songs right now. I said, okay, okay. And then when it was time, when he invited me uh, to uh, be the first artist signed to his company, signed to Solid Rock Records. You know, I, I pulled out all the songs I'd been writing over the past two or three years, and we ended up with the material for Welcome to Paradise. So that was, you know, like I said, working with him was was always uh, inspirational. And and I got to tell you this too about, about him. This is a, a sweet, a cool Larry Norman story. He was a gifted and an anointed guy uh, and, a, and a visionary guy. And I remember walking down Hollywood Boulevard with him one afternoon, like probably 71 or 1972. And he, you know, he'd be pontificating about culture and talking about how Jesus was uh, profoundly relevant to and intimately acquainted with every facet of our journey and of our humanity. And he was just fascinating you know, just to listen to. So we were walking down 
the boulevard one sunny afternoon, and he turned to me all of a sudden with this expression of passion and mixed with frustration. And um, it was almost like he was ahead of the game, so to speak. He looked at me and he said, he said, Randy, I'm telling you, God's up to something with this music. I just, I just know it. I'm telling you, man, it's like a movement. It's like, well, it's you and it's me, which makes us uh, and we, you see, it's, it's a movement. <laughs> and we both started laughing because, I mean, back then it was all so new. We were lonely. I mean, we were, he, was like, he, was like, I, he was like scanning the horizon going, look, we're not nuts. We know God is, is going to speak through the musical voice and vernacular of the day. And, and we can't be the only one catching this vision. Who else is out there? You know, so, but, but back then it was like, you know, it's almost like the general going, follow me, man. And all you hear is <laughs> the, the winds of the tundra, you know, blowing across the, the land. And so he knew God was up to something. And he was just wondering to how it was all going to come together. But I just, I just, that's a, that's such a classic Larry Norman thing to go. It's you and it's me, which makes us, which makes we, you see, it's a movement. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> but then as it turns out, as you know, he, he was right. And just a little while later, we heard about a blues guy named Mike Johnson from the East coast doing a similar kind of thing, you know, that we were doing. We heard about Randy Matthews from the Midwest, and then we went out to Cincinnati because now the music was really starting to grow, and we heard the amazing Phil Keggy. And we just went, "This is see, this is a movement. Then we heard about Andre Crouch, who had come from South Central Los Angeles and was now broadening the, the voice and the visibility of Black gospel music and bringing that to a a broader audience, a mixed audience. And uh, all, so all of a sudden you could feel this whole, this whole thing start to snowball. You know, it was, it was pretty incredible. It was like, it was like trying to ride this, this rising wave, you know, on your spiritual surfboard or something. Yeah. So tell me about Keith Green. How did you even come to, to meet Keith? Yeah. Meeting, meeting the wonderful Keith Green was one of those special surprises. I never, could have planned. But um, I was doing some music showcase, songwriter showcase in Hollywood. And I met um, a man named Peter Burke. I think he was working for ASCAP at, at the time, or he was, he was in music publishing or something. And he came up to me after I played a few songs and he said, you know what? There's a, a wonderful young writer named Keith Green. The two of you have uh, similar styles, I think, similar approaches. I, I think you would make a, a really good songwriting team. And, uh, and I was, uh, this was 1971. So I was new in town and just wanting to, you know, meet other artists and make connections. And Peter told me that Keith was playing at a, at a little club in North Hollywood called the Blah Blah Cafe. And he said, listen, listen um, Keith plays at the Blah Blah uh, every Wednesday night. Why don't you go go and check him out and and um, tell him that Peter Burke sent you? I said, okay, all right, I will. And so I drove down to this funky little club that next Wednesday. I walked in there to the back of the room, 
And I could not believe my eyes and my ears. Here was this guy on this little stage with an upright piano, just almost, and he, he was playing so intensely, it looked like he was going to rip the keys off mm. of the instrument. Yeah. And the, and the walls seemed to be shaking and quaking. And um, he was actually doing that wonderful piece called Prodigal Son Suite. And the room wasn't, the room was about the size of two living rooms. You could maybe fit 150 people in there. You could just tell everyone was just stunned, just, just you know, watching this guy. So I, I, I stood there in, in delight and amazement. He finished the song and he said, listen, folks, thank you so much. I'm going to take a, a little break and I'll, I'll see you in, you know, 15 minutes. So I walked up to the side of the stage just as he, and I, 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 I met him sort of in the half darkness as he was coming down the, the stairs. And I said, listen, uh, Keith, my name is Randy Stonehill and um, Peter Burke told me that I should come and check out your work. And he thinks that we'd, we'd make a pretty good songwriting team. And Keith was so intense and immediate. He didn't, he didn't even miss a beat. He just looked at me and he said, oh, okay, great. What are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> and I said, I get, I, I'm coming to your house. He said, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's my address. And uh, we say, uh, like one o'clock? I said, okay. And I also, I noticed there in the half darkness that he had, uh, he was wearing this, this wooden crucifix. And you could see that it had been painted gold, but it was, it was old and, and some of the, some of the gold, some of the paint had worn off with the years. But I thought to myself, huh, this will be an interesting sort of entree to a conversation about, about the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I went to his house the next day and he, uh, he pulled out some peyote buttons and he said, listen, you, you want some peyote? And I said, nah, you know, like what the Bible says when I was a child, you know, I, thought like a child and I played with childish things. And now, you know, now that I'm a man, I, I put that stuff away. And he, he looked at me, sort of cocked his head and said, well, you know, I, I believe in Jesus too. I mean, I, you know, I believe that he was like a really good teacher and I, I try to follow his teachings. And I thought to myself, that must be very frustrating mm. <laughs> for you <laughs> because we can't, we can't do that. The only, the only way we can become you know, more and more like Jesus day by day uh, is for indeed his spirit to be dwelling within us, you know. Right. But so I remember starting to hang out with him, working and doing songwriting together. And again, he was he was so talented. And so he had so much energy. He seemed to burn white hot in his life, almost like a man who sensed um, in his heart of hearts that he had very little time. And you know, tragically, that turned out to be the case. Right. I mean, he he went home to be with the Lord when he was 28 years old. That was, that was uh, I think, eight years later, eight years after I met him. Yeah, so so bouncing ideas, you know, back and forth, bouncing musical ideas back and forth with him was a real joy. And then it was interesting, too, because we would be shifting gears, you know, in these during the songwriting afternoons from putting song ideas on the table to then the conversation steering towards, you know, spiritual things. As a matter of fact, I remember at one point 
he looked at me and he said, okay, you know, you got to understand Jay too. I was a young man, you know, just with my own growing pains and, you know, my spiritual walk was, was, was kind of dizzy. <laughs> it could be sort of like a blind chihuahua, you know, <laughs> drifting, off into, you know, drifting off into the weeds from time to time. But, but then God in his graciousness keeps sanding and chipping away, you know? So um, I'm sure that I was, I was less than a consistently sterling godly witness in his life. So, but, you know, and, and Keith was bright and he, I could tell he was spiritually hungry, but he wanted, as we all do, he wanted heaven. He wanted hope on his own terms. And that's not how God works. That's the way it works. You gotta, right? Yeah. You got to give your life to God and, and then let him do his spiritual surgery and let him order your steps. But so anyway, we're having this conversation and it's getting more and more heated. And um, he finally looked at me and he said, okay, Randy, look, so, okay. So if Jesus is, is so real, then like, why are you such a Turkey? (laughs) And I, and I said, well, thank you, Keith, for that sensitive and illuminating description of my character. (laughs) Um, Because I mean, we really did love each other, but at the same time we were young, we were cocky, we were insecure, we were finding our feet. So we'd, we'd be button heads but then we'd always get back together the next day. He'd call me, he'd go, you want to go body surfing? I go, sure. <laughs> you know? It was just, that's how it was. It was a roller coaster with him. But I remember, so he, he insulted me like that. But I, I also knew in my heart that it was, it was true. You know, I was a bit of a mess in, in, in process. I, I suppose we all are to some extent until our dying day, you know, but I remember I looked at him, I said, you know, Keith, it's like, it's like what the apostle Paul said, you know, Again, to, to paraphrase, the, the very things I do, I, I don't want to do quite often. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. And this is not an, this is not making an excuse for our sin. What does Paul, Paul says something about wretched man that I am. Right. What it, it's not making an excuse. It's, it's pointing to the profound necessity and treasure of God's grace, of the, of the blood of the cross that that covers our sins past present and future if we will just confess and turn in repentance god never tires out you know he never he never just goes you know what you are too much of a turkey and i'm throwing in the towel i'm done yeah paul called himself the worst of all sinners yes yeah chief the chief of all sinners i think Mm -hmm. so anyway but I, i try to explain to Keith, I said, man, you know, I, I, the thing is this, Keith, I know I fall down from time to time, but God in his goodness reaches down his hand and pulls me back up, dusts me off and says, come on, man. This is a father-child relationship. Just, co- just come to me. Just be honest. This is relationship. You sinned and you failed. I saw. Confess. Now come with me. You know, I know you're a mess, but guess what? You're my mess, and I love you. Now, take my hand. We got places to go. We got people to meet. We got a life to live. So I said, So, Keith, that's the key element that hope is real because Jesus is real. He's faithful, and he is going to make us holy. You might, as a pastor friend once said, you might feel like you're going nowhere fast, but you're actually getting somewhere slow. You better say what you need to say. You better do what you got to do. 
Today has come, it's the only one the Lord has promised you. You know I had so many friends, so many have flown away. I turn around, they're gone, the list gets longer, seems like every day. Um, but I will tell you this kind of special Keith story, which is that so our, our relationship continued to be a, a roller coaster. After I came back from England um, from recording for Phonogram, and I was disappointed, I was sort of disillusioned. I didn't like my record. I came back home and I was and I was broke and sleeping on my manager's couch. Keith and I reconnected. I told him what was going on, and he said, "Hey, listen, man, why don't you come and live with me?" And I thought, that's very gracious, but that could that could almost be more Keith Green fellowship than you than you need. Because this guy, <laughs> this guy, he could be like a bull in a china shop, you know. Nearly a dull moment, and sometimes you really wished for a few. <laughs> um, but he was he was amazing. I've never met anyone like him before or since. But anyway, I said, you know what? Okay, man, I'll do that. So then one afternoon I was sitting on his couch and I was writing a song and he'd gone out to do errands and he came back home with this delighted dazed look on his face. He went, Randy, Randy, I just met the most wonderful woman and, and she's coming over tonight to make dinner for us. And I said, Keith, Keith, that's what you said last week. With the last girl that you met at the club and the week before that with the last girl that you met. And he went, no, 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 man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, she's different, man. I, I, I think I'm in love and she's coming over and she's going to make us dinner tonight. And I was thinking, oh, Lord, bless and protect this woman from this glorious madman. Oh, my goodness. It was Melody. It was, mm. you know, who he ended up obviously marrying. And uh, she's still a precious uh, friend uh, to to me and and Leslie to this day. So she came over, and then pretty soon she moved in, and um, you could tell she was special and and just delightful. And so sometimes she'd be like sitting in the corner of the living room while Keith and I were at the piano, and songwriting was turning into arguments. You know, things would get so intense just when I was about to like throttle him. And just go, just shut up, just listen to me, you know. Um, I would I would kind of catch her eyes in the corner, and she had this sweet, understanding smile on her face, and it spoke volumes. It was like it was like she's saying, Now, Randy, you know that Keith loves you, and you know you love him, and you you know that you're both young and you're finding your way, and that the truth of your particular argument probably lies somewhere in the middle. I would take one look at her, Jay. And I would think to myself, okay, you know what? 
if she puts up with them, I can put up with them <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, I do love him and he gives me headaches, but I do love him. And Melody's probably right. So during one of those afternoons, again, we're having some heated, theologically <laughs> confused argument. Um, and I had like a, it was a simple, but, but meaningful revelation knowledge kind of moment. And I looked at him and I said, you know what, Keith, there's a cool little Bible study that I go to every Thursday night. And man, you know, you got all these opinions, you got all these questions. I, you know what? I just dare you. I dare you, man. Come check out this Bible study. If you don't like it, you can leave. It's, it's, it's not a cult. They're not going to tie you to a chair and put ice cubes on the bottoms of your feet until you utter the, the, the special incantation or something. But I knew Keith well enough to know that he would take a dare. And he looked at me and he kind of set his jaw and he said, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Okay, well, wh where is it? Wh when is it? I thought to myself, bingo. <laughs> I said, okay, man, look, here, here's the address. It's at 7 p.m. I got to go out of town because I've got concerts to do back east. And by God's grace, my career was starting to heat up and the Lord was opening all kinds of doors. So I ended up just, you know, getting on airplanes almost every weekend at that point. And I said, listen, I'm going out for about a week. When I come back, you tell me what you thought about the Bible study. I'd love to hear it. And he kind of, again, he just looked at me with this kind of cocky look and he went, all right, man. All right. I, I will. And I went, okay, cool. I came back a week later. I kid you not. There was a gas leak and his house blew up. And fortunately, no one was there. I remember driving back from doing errands myself. And I look and there was all these people on his front lawn and his two German shepherds. He was such a hippie guy with his VW bus and, and two German shepherds, you know, and the German shepherds were on the lawn looking kind of stunned with their fur singed, but oh. they were okay. But so, of course, I immediately had to, everyone had to move out because his house had indeed blown, blown up. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Anyway, but the, so the point is, I had this, I had the conversation with him. I came back off the road and the, and the next time I saw him was at the Bible study. And he came up to me with just this fire in his eyes. And he went, he went, Randy, Randy, man, I'm telling you, if you'd been living right, I would have been a believer two years ago. And I just thought. So it's your oh, fault. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, and I, I, I mean, you know, part of me felt convicted because I thought, well, perhaps to some extent that's, that's true. The other part of me was really touched because I could see how precious his new relationship with Christ was, and he had wished that it had, that he'd known him earlier. I also knew as probably we all do that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Right. I, I could have articulated the gospel, you know, in, in a perfect articulate form. And until the Holy spirit really calls a man's heart, he could view it as a, an intro, you know, just an interesting theory, you know, but anyway, so like I said, he came up to me and he just went, man, if you'd been living right, I would have been a believer two years ago. And I said, well, 
uh, okay, but here we are now. And um, I apologize if I, if I've let you down at times, but I, I love you. I'm so glad that you know, you've come to know the Lord. What happened? And he said, he said, Randy, well, you know, Melody and I, we, you know, we took the dare and I came to this Bible study. And so at the end of the Bible study, uh, Ken Gullickson, who was leading it, who became one of the founding pastors of the Vineyard Church movement, he said, Ken Gullickson said, listen, if anybody senses that the Lord is calling to their hearts and you want relationship with him, simply just raise your hand. I talked with Ken many years later. He said, oh, I'll never forget. I'm, I'm sort of closing the study and I'm, I'm calling people to prayer. He said, Keith's hand shot up like a bottle rocket. I mean, this guy was so ready and God was speaking so loudly to him. And he, he asked the Lord into his heart that night. So then the funny thing is, I was later on, I was talking to Melody and uh, she said, oh, Randy, that was one of the most intense weeks after he got saved, I'm telling you, because we're driving back home, and he's so excited. And the Holy Spirit has obviously come and met him. And he's going, Melody, isn't this wonderful? Isn't this wonderful? Jesus is real. This is the hope, the living hope I have hungered for all my life. And, and, it, and he's real. And everything's changed. And Melody looked at him and said, well, now, Keith, I, I, I didn't pray that prayer tonight. And he went, Melody, you got to pray that prayer right now. She goes, Keith, now, Keith, just give me some time. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm processing what I've heard. And I, I, you know, I'm thinking about things, but I just wasn't ready. She said, Randy, he browbeat me night and day. Be typical, wonderful Keith, who just loves you sometimes almost too much, you know. Yeah. He said, she said, it, he just, he would not leave me alone. He's going, Melody, I love you, and Jesus loves you, and he's calling, and you got to pray right now. She goes, Keith, just finish your breakfast and leave me alone. <laughs> okay, now it's lunchtime. Melody, you got it, you know. She said, I'm telling you, Randy, for like, <laughs> like a week straight, I couldn't even get any sleep. I finally... I got so weary and so irritated. I just went, all right, Keith, I'll pray with you. Just shut up. And I'll, I'll, I'll ask the Lord into my life if for no other reason than just calm you down. And she said, and I, I did that. And indeed, you know, Jesus came into my life. What an incredible story. Were you a little bit miffed that you weren't the one that actually got to finally lead Keith to the Lord? Or were you just excited when you found out the news? No, I, I really was uh, just just delighted and excited. Um, but and I also, you know, I look back over my shoulder and I realized that God in his largesse used my friendship with Keith and used my fumbling, inarticulate, you know, discussions and even used my failures the way he would, you know, continue to to pick me up and dust me off and and keep me growing. I think he used that too to to speak to Keith's heart. Keith saw, okay, this hope is real because this guy is not perfect, but when he screws up, he doesn't just throw in the towel spiritually and yeah. go off into the jungle of life. He he right. he turns to God and and God turns to him. 
So that was really that was really precious. I just was thinking the, another pivotal Keith story was that as his faith walk took off and his music ministry took off right along with it, he called me up in 1976, I think it was. And again, typical Keith Green, I picked up the receiver and Keith didn't even bother to say hello. I just heard, Randy, Randy, okay, you got to come over right now. Okay, look, look, I, 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 I'm working on this music, but 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 you got to come over because God told me. Okay, how are you going to argue with that? Right, right. What can he you said, say? God said, God said, you're the guy that's going to write the lyrics and, and he's going to do mighty things with it. And it's going to go all around the world. And I'm, <laughs> I'm holding the phone away from my ear, kind of reaching for the Excedrin, you know, going, <laughs> oh, oh, it's Keith land. We're moving to the Keith zone now. Oh, my goodness. I said, okay, I said, okay Keith, look, I'll just, I'll just drop everything I'm doing <laughs> and I'll just come to Keith's house. And like, he, you know, he was just, he was so uh, intense and so focused that the sarcasm was lost on him. You know, <laughs> he just went, yeah, yeah. Okay. Come right over. So I was just about to hang up the phone and I could hear he was still shouting. <laughs> I kid you not, Jim. I put the phone back up to my ear and I said, Keith, okay. If I'm talking to you on the phone, I can't come to your house. <laughs> I go, I, I'm not omnipresent like that. That's not <laughs> one of my particular gifts. He said, no, 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 no. I, I, I want you to hear this melody right now. I said, Keith, I live a half mile from you. Just let me get in the car. I'll be right there. He goes, no, 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 man. No, I, I, I want you to hear it right now. It's aggravating and endearing it all at the same time, you know? So I said, okay, okay. So he goes, okay, this is what happened. So Todd Fishkind, a friend, he came over for a songwriting session and he sang the most beautiful melody to me for the chorus. And then he left. He realized he had a dental appointment or something. He said, hey, Keith, I'm sorry, man. I blew it. I, I can't stay. Why don't you work on, on the rest of the melody? And so Keith said, man, Randy, this is just, it's so beautiful. And 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 um, I just, anyway, uh, but I, you got to hear it right now. So I said, okay, okay. So he said, okay, just mash the phone up real close to your ear and I'll put my receiver up on the top of my piano. I said, okay. So he started playing. He's going, la, da, 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 la, da, da, la, 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 la. He picked up the receiver and he said, praise God, man, isn't that beautiful? I said, wow, Keith, that's, that really is wonderful. He said, okay, uh, just come over right now. Click. And he didn't even say goodbye. He just hung up the phone. So I drove to his house. I pulled up into the driveway. Keith's music room was in the back of his house, but he was wailing and flailing so intensely that the music was wafting all the way through the house and out onto the front yard. Mm. I pulled up. I walked up onto the porch. Melody opened the screen door with the sweet bemused smile on her face. And she hugged me hello. And she said, he's waiting. And I said, <laughs> yes, I know I can hear. Okay. Give me, give me like a hard hat and you know, something, something hard to bite down on. Okay. I'm going in, I'm going in. <laughs> now you tie a rope around my waist. Okay. If it goes slack, you call my mama. <laughs> <laughs> 
She go, she said, okay. Anyway, love you. Off you go. I said, okay. So I walked down the hall. I opened the music room door and there's Keith, his eyes closed, his head thrown back, sitting at the piano and, and just and playing this melody. And, and you could tell he sensed as, as a person would that someone had come into the room, you know, he stopped playing and in one fluid movement, he spun around on the piano bench. He grabbed a yellow legal pad and a pen and he just looked up at me and he said, so go ahead. I said, Keith, okay, uh, thank you for that vote of confidence. Here, let me round out the conversation for you. No, I don't need a cup of coffee. Uh, yes, I've been fine. Uh, yes, it's good to see you too. <laughs> and he's he just staring at me with his big puppy dog eyes. And he said, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's like, like dispense, dispense with the niceties, you know. He just went, uh-huh, uh-huh. Just, so go ahead. I went, okay, man. I mean, just you got to love him, you know, it's just like a cartoon sometimes. But so I sat down, I said, okay. He looked at me, he said, hey, 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 while you were driving over, I've been, I've been working on the, on the verse melody. I said, of course you have, <laughs> because, because you're a Keith Green. Of course. He said, okay, so tell, tell me what you think of this. Okay. So he started to play the, the verse melody. He's going, okay, listen. Da, 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 da. And he'd keep doing this turning and and you know checking your look to make sure that you were tracking with him you know so he'd be going la da 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 you know and i looked at him and i said okay well what about like a foolish dreamer trying to build a highway to the sky and he said yes he threw his hands up in the air and he went yes praise god see i knew you were the guy three hours uh, and I ended up writing most of that song lyric in that one sitting with him and finally after two or three hours I think we had about three-fourths of the song done and I looked at him and I said Keith I'm gonna go home now and have dinner and do you know why he said no no why I said because you're not the boss of me <laughs> And I, I love you, but I'm exhausted and I'm leaving now. He went, oh, yeah, um, 
Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Hey, but if you think of any more song lyrics on your way home, you call me right away. I went, <laughs> I love you, Keith. Bye-bye. And, but what he said about the song turned out to be prophetic because that song became a hit yeah. really all around the world. And it still continues to be recorded, you know, uh, and recorded multiple times. Uh, Love broke through is the name of the song. And yes, sir. Uh, it was, Still, as you mentioned, it, it's still an incredible anointed song that changed a lot of lives. And um, I remember hearing Keith's version when I was very, very young. And then a few years later, you recorded it on, I believe it was Love Beyond Reason that you put that on there. And an incredible, yeah. incredible song. Oh, thank you. We know where the gifts come from and who the credit goes to. It really is a song that, by God's grace, took on a life of its own. Uh, it became a top 10 pop hit by the Madonna of Australia uh, back in the in the late 70s. It was a woman a woman named uh, Marcia Hines. And it was it was a big enough hit that it opened the doors for both Keith and me to tour in Australia. Just on the strength of that song, I got wow. to do like the Johnny Carson show of Australia, you know, we were, we were doing main, you know, mainstream venues uh, because that song had made so much noise. And then Debbie Boone had the massive hit with you light up my life. Right. Um, which was like the biggest pop hit in 20 years. It was just, just insane. And uh, she called us up and she said, listen, uh, Warner brothers is like, they're jumping up and down because of this song, they need me to make a, you know, to record a full album tomorrow to catch the, the momentum of the song. Would you and Keith mind if, if uh, I record uh, until your love broke through? <laughs> and I, I said, here, yeah, Debbie, let me just pray about that for a minute. Kind of <laughs> put my finger up, catch the, the wind. It, now go ahead. Yeah. God, God said, yes, you go right ahead. <laughs> So that, you know, and that record sold millions. So yeah. It's, yeah, it just it's just wonderful to see how God will take something that's heartfelt, but as simple as a song and use it to touch hearts and change lives. Hey, guys, I hope you're enjoying this interview with Randy Stonehill as much as I enjoyed doing it. And you definitely don't want to miss next week's episode. I'll talk about that in just a second. If you like what you're hearing on this program and you're enjoying it, we need your support. Please go to patreon.com slash Jesus Freaks podcast, and you can contribute for as little as $2 per month, but every dollar helps. So please help us keep going. And as we prepare for season three, I hope you will help support us. Also, Randy has a Patreon page as well. That's patreon.com slash Randy Stonehill. If you want to support his ministry and his music, you can visit them and also support Randy Stonehill as well. Next week, we will conclude our interview with Randy. I promise next week's episode won't be as long, but it will be every bit as entertaining as Randy takes us through his post 70s solo career and up to what he is doing now. So until next week, you have been listening to Jesus Freaks Vinyl to Digital, a presentation of Capco Media Group, a preferred podcast of Way FM and now part of the new release today.com podcast network. It is produced and hosted by yours truly, Jason Huddle, with special thanks to research assistant Kevin Jewell. Just a few minutes ago, we heard a track off Randy's brand new project, Lost Art of Listening, 
It was called Beginning of the Living End. Now I leave you with one more track from this album. This is Mercy in the Shadowland. Until next week, God bless. We are pilgrims in the shadowland And there's so much we don't understand But this restlessness keeps reminding us There's a better land, the city of our souls We see dimly through our clouded sight But we're trusting in a different light Where the eyes can't see But it leads us where our hearts were meant to go Mercy in the shadow land It's love that holds our trembling hands Deliver us from sinking sands We pray Sinking sands we